Sally Wigan likes him, and so should you. Adam, I think I think having millennials on the radio is awesome. I don't hate you. God. Adam Crowley. My dogs listen to you when I walk <laughs> out the door. On ESPN Pittsburgh. Six oh two straight up on a Thursday evening. How you doing, everybody? Well, that's good. I'm Wesley Euler in for Adam Crowley today and tomorrow. If Brian lets me come back, rolling into the final hour of the Crowley Show. Shirtless Tom still wearing a shirt behind the glass. Brian Lamartina in here with me. You on the phones if you want to get involved. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four is the number to call. We've hit on a little bit of everything today. A lot of penguins. We've talked a lot of dumb stuff as well. Some WWE. Not that that's dumb. I don't mean to offend anybody. A lot of off-the-cuff stuff as well. And I teased at the end of last segment we had our own little civil war going on here. A video game civil war inside the ESPN radio studios. Gentlemen, there are two popular games right now that, they, that the millennials are playing, and everybody, because the three of us are playing them as well. Fortnite, of course, which everybody knows. Fork knife, as girls like to call it as a joke. And to a little lesser extent, not quite as popular, uh, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, also known as PUBG. Two of the people in this studio, slash the studio next to us, play Fortnite. Mm-hmm. One person, who may or may not be talking right now, Plays PUBG. Yeah, the guy filling in. He's the guy mm-hmm. who plays PUBG. Let's be if fair, I could though, pull the curtain back. The guy, <laughs> transparency is the number one virtue of the Crowley show. The guy who sits here normally in my chair doesn't play either. either so game. it could no. be worse. We've tried but to get to, him into to, Fortnite. To Crowley's credit, he likes watching in a weird, like, like he's like, hey, play so I can watch. I'm like, really, dude? Like, I'm not used to that. He does like watching. I just don't think he has much skill in the game. So what it says here is the PUBG Corporation, which is player, player unknowns Battlegrounds developer, dropped a legal action lawsuit against Epic Games, the developer of Fortnite. They're calling it a battle royal mode games, is how they describe them, mm-hmm. and it's being alleged by PUBG that the games are too similar in terms of their structure, and that PUBG kind of had the idea first, and Fortnite took it and put it on steroids. I guess it's kind of like VHS and beta, maybe. <laughs> yeah, and and I don't understand where they come. Well, I do understand where they come from. Now, I'm a little biased here. Yeah, I'm a Fortnite. No, guy. listen, you can you can dump on PUBG in this instance. You're not going to offend me, yeah, even though I I'm mean, a PUBG guy. I mean, it's they're, petty. They're losing players. It's petty. Like they were they were kicking around like uh, it was a couple million, like three million or so, three million two hundred thousand players was the, that was their peak at any given time. That's how many were playing. So within the last few months, those numbers have been dropping. And they're seeing it, and now they're starting to panic a little bit. They know, I think they know that Fortnite is a it's it's a it's a better game because it appeals to more it appeals people. To more people. It's got a little bit of a cartoon nature to it. Sure, it's got a, a little, little Minecrafty. Bit of, yeah, it's got a little bit of a scavenger nature, which is also a little Minecrafty to it. But it 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 it, it puts all those together: the building, the scavenging, and then the actual fighting and shooting and being able to aim and be good at that part which is the hardest part of either sure. game i mean that's tough but again i don't see where they, like we're really getting into minutiae i don't know if it's like the coding involved that they're going <laughs> yeah, after yeah. because if i look at the general idea of dropping into a world and right. having to loot for and all shooting, your items because then doesn't call of duty maybe have 
a deal there. Maybe there's no dropping, but there's a bunch of guys first person running around shooting people. Sure, sure. You know, that sort of thing. And you go back even, I don't know, even further, maybe to like a Doom or something, or Duke Nukem or right. something like that. You go back there, it's the same game. You're shooting, not multiple. Call of Duty and Battlefield. Right, and that's another one. Very similar mm-hmm. games. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think with those two games, actually Battlefield took off a little bit because they added the whole vehicle element earlier, yeah, yeah. a lot earlier than than uh, Call of Duty did. But when you come back to these two games, I, look, man, people are going to fall into what they like. And and I think just in the long run, I think that uh, Fortnite adds a little more. It gives you a little more more things to do. And do you think part of the, the mass appeal, too, of Fortnite and that more going on is the influ- – that's a term that I hate – the influencers who have been – all like, you've got Ninja and you've got Juju right, and you've right. got all these famous people – who are all about for little Uzi Vert? All these guys who influence, especially the young crowd. Is that? I mean, is that part of the the lore of Fortnite? Is that it's it's so streamed, it's so broadcasted, it's so popular amongst influence. Well, Ninja gets people to play Fortnite in the same way that LeBron James gets a kid to play basketball. Sidney Crosby gets it's, a kid to lay some right. Up. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's just it's different different now. I mean, because. You know, those are these are kind of becoming sports in a way. Oh well, they're a billion dollar industry. Absolutely, and only getting bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, one thing that we haven't brought up yet. There's a there's a wrinkle to this. What's that? The Pittsburgh Penguins, particularly Sidney Crosby and Chris Letang, are big fans of one of these games. Oh, it's Fortnite. No, it's not. It's PUBG. I knew this. It's it's a black eye in the Penguins. Letang and Crosby love PUBG. I was trying to keep that a secret. They love. Oh, you thought you could hide from me, Tom? Sweep it under the rug. Were you trying to sweep it nice under your try. T-shirt that you're still wearing? Is that what you're saying? Nice try, Tom. I'm not wearing a T-shirt. Please listen. Transparent. Oh, there he goes. Shirtless Tom we is drew, in the building. We drew that T-shirt on. <laughs> now take that T-shirt, make it into a sock hand puppet like mankind, and then we'll really come full circle here. If I could, an excuse why those guys are able to play PUBG because they've got a big job. They've got to win cups. They've got to pay attention to practice. They've got to. And and PUBG it just doesn't require as much work. It doesn't as qu- require as much skill. So sure. these guys can kind of hang back on PUBG and then get to the real business of playing hockey. If they got into Fortnite, we might never get a cup again. See, now you said it doesn't require as much work, which I absolutely agree with. But then you said or skill. Okay, shooting. I would skill, argue maybe. it has more. There's less unpredictability. There's less chance mm-hmm. in PUBG than Fortnite. Okay, I'll will give you that too. That's why that's what attracted me to it because I played both. I started playing Fortnite, and I, my buddies were like, "You got to play PUBG." And I think that's what attracted it to me more is it's the shooting and the killing is the, is what makes you good. And I the, mean, the, you, does the building aspect turn you off? There's no. I love that everybody you can drop wherever you want and you land. Like everyone starts with nothing. I like everyone's equal because that is the best player can only be so much better than the worst player if the best player is landing and only gets a pistol and, and the worst player gets a, a you know an assault rifle. Yeah, I love that aspect of it. But I still think that while both, even the best players aren't going to win even half the time. Right. It was hard I, as hell to win. I think that Fortnite has a little bit more um, fate and unpredictability where PUBG has a little bit more skill and your, your ability to, to headshot as opposed to hit the body, things of that nature. Yeah. Here's a funny thing about Fortnite is that, okay, so I have a 13-year-old godchild. Okay. Okay, and her and her friends always play Fortnite. They're on Fortnite all the time. If I ever log on, there they are. I see her on the friends. So I've squatted up a bunch with a bunch of 13-year-old girls, right? 
and I'm getting better at Fortnite. I'm I'm all right at it. You know, like I started off, I was learning and everything. You play Tom, PC. Tom would P- make on fun the PC, of me. Correct? Yeah, I'm on PC. So Tom would make fun of me, but I've gotten better at it. I've I've won. I've I've actually done that. I've won in the squads, and things have gone well for me. I'm having fun. These girls are so damn good, and not only at one aspect, they're good at building. They're good at shooting. I mean, there's there's girls doing quick scope sniping. Oh no, yeah, like a, a short, like short range. Like they're right up. Like I couldn't hit the side of a barn like that. But mm-hmm. these girls are like up to the scope. Bang, boom, no scope. Just that quick. But it's funny when you get down to it. Their favorite part is scavenging and building. They're like, let's see what we can find. Let's air. You Same need here. this. You Same need here. that. You need this. But is there anything worse than when you scavenge for 15 minutes, finally get stacked, and then you get killed before you even get a chance Story to shoot? Story of my him. life, Wes. <laughs> Story of my life. That's 95% of the games I play. I can tell you the nerdiest thing about me is that I have actually made money in my lifetime playing Halo 2. Have you? Back in the day. Really? I had to, when I was in middle school, my parents had to put in a thing for me when we were doing taxes because I, I played on a team. Uh, we were called Maven was our team name and I made nothing crazy. Maybe 500 bucks total. If you add it all up, dude, that's but I played more video than games. I, and I was, I was in seventh and eighth grade. So when you're that age, it's like amazing. Yeah. So I, uh, I played on a halo two team. We never made it to the full MLG circuit, but we played in like the, the minor league almost, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. And our big thing was where we made our big money was there was a tournament to, if you won it, it was like an open invitational you had to have certain, I shouldn't say open, it's not like just anybody, you had to have certain credentials, whatever. Yeah, yeah, but it was yeah. like, it was a wide open to anybody who's like in the minor circuit, if you will. The winning team got to go Major League Gaming, full full status, MLG. It's it's called like eSports something now, but it used to be called MLG, Major League Gaming. Yeah, there's a couple. And now. Halo 2, Halo 2 was like the first one that got big. And we, so we played this tournament with, I think, whew, 200, 300 different teams were in this tournament, and we came in like sixth. Fifth or sixth. Wow. And our and that was the biggest prize that we ever got. I think that prize we got it was a four person team too. I think that prize we got maybe two grand, twenty five hundred, you know, split amongst four people. You're in seventh or eighth grade? I was in seventh and eighth grade, yeah. <laughs> I haven't made two grand in my life yet. <laughs> Again, no, that was split amongst four people and that was before taxes. Thompson Radio. You can tell by that. Oh statement. my gosh! <laughs> I gotta start I'm playing for Halo Radio too. too. You got to do what I did, Tom. I'm gonna let you in on a little secret here. Find a sugar mama. Mm. Mm. That's a good call. That's a good call. It's it, that that trips me out, man. I didn't realize you were on that level of gaming. No, not anymore. No, I mean, but like you got to play. But I you was got to make money. The only thing I ever got out of gaming was being able to put ASS in the top score. Like that's all I got out of. I, like, I'm gonna I get, really, I'm really throwing myself. <laughs> when I put ASS, it was a victory. That was five hundred dollars to me. Because there I am, ass at the top of the leaderboard on this game, number one. And you got to watch it too, because somebody might come around. Then you get to put it back in. Then if you get number two, you can start to get creative, which I won't go into on the air. <laughs> I'm gonna really throw myself under the bus here. This is gonna be the height of self self deprecation. 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 Yes. <laughs> I will listen. I went to WVU. So people. What can you expect? You know, we know. We know. Just two more <laughs> letters extra there. We're used to it. When I was in when I was in eighth grade, the second half of so it would have been like you know you don't do semesters when you're that age. You do nine weeks. Mm-hmm. There's four nine weeks. So for the third and fourth nine weeks, the second half of my eighth grade year after Christmas break, I was homeschooled. Yeah. For two reasons. One was because my I told you guys this. My father's in the Pittsburgh Symphony. He's a violinist in the Pittsburgh Symphony. They were going to Italy for 10 days. Oh, nice. And my dad was like, if you're homeschooled, you can come with me the whole time. 
And I knew I could get my schoolwork done in two hours and, and play Halo 2 the rest of the day. Nice. I would be, I'd be lying if I didn't say the trip. To, oh, and we went to, uh, we went to Flo- he was going to Florida for a week as well. I went with him on that. I would be lying if I didn't say that those things weren't factored into my decision. But I would be lying if I said that Halo 2 playing wasn't the main factor. And I went back to high school, normal school the next year, and this was only half of the second half of eighth grade. But I was homeschooled, and one of the biggest reasons was because it gave me more time to play Halo 2, especially like I could stay up later or if we needed to play during the day, things like that. You know how I know you're a gamer? How? If you had just told me that right there. I went to Italy with my dad so I could play Halo 2. You're one of the greatest <laughs> in the countries grade. in the world. <laughs> And you're inside playing Halo. That's bad respect to you, dude. You're no, well, when I was in Italy, I didn't play. Oh, you didn't? Okay. okay. I was just able to like okay. take all that time off school. Was well. actually, I don't know. Did I play? I don't think. Mm, I don't think I took my Xbox with me. Okay. Well, you should. had a lot of good pizza. Then I take that back. You're not a gamer, and you should have taken. Now you need to go back to Italy. I almost Italy. brought my. I'm, I was home. I'm home here for five days. I seriously was going to bring my Xbox so I could play PUBG. How was that even a question? Why didn't no. you just bring? You know why? Because I have I have a sister that I don't see often, and and I, okay. I was convincing myself I'm going to do real just person stuff. West, and I even said to myself, maybe that. I'll stop at Barnes and Noble and buy a book. <laughs> 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 Coming up on the other side, we'll get back into Penguins talk. We will talk to the best in this city. His name's Jesse Marshall from the Athletic. Also later on, I've got the dumbest question of the day. All that and more on tap. If you want to jump in, there's still some time. 412-922-2874 is the number to hit. You are listening to The Crowley Show. My name is Wesley Euler. I am in for Adam. Sports talk with a little bit of an edge. Can you feel the tension in the air right now? I know I can. I can feel it all the way down in my plums. The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. Having some fun on a Thursday afternoon. It's Wesley Euler in for Adam Crowley here on the Crowley Show. Everything's been on the table today. We've talked penguins. We've talked sports entertainment. Talked video games. And right now, it is time to uh, to have a conversation with one of my favorite hockey minds in the city. His name is Jesse Marshall. He now works for The Athletic. I remember him. I believe it was from his uh, face-off factor days. Jesse, thank you for joining the program. Rest in peace. Faceofffactor.com. Thank you for digging that one up out of the grave for a minute. Yeah, I, that was uh, that was my first exposure to Jesse. Was was kind of the the Faceoff Factor days, and and of course back. I, were you doing some stuff with the Pens blog back then as well? I think. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Find uh, me all over the internet. I so, think at that point. So I am an OG Jesse Marshall fan. I guess you should say before he went to the Athletic and blew up. I was a day one Jesse Marshall fan. Jesse the. First thing I want to talk about here with you is, and I know in this city, especially right now, it's almost like you're putting a target on your back if you question any decision that Jim Rutherford makes. Not scrutinize, not hate, just question. And with some of these things that have been going on, the, the, the Jack Johnson and Chris Kunitz rumored signings especially, I feel like the Penguins in some ways are paddling against the current of the NHL that they've created. The, the young man's game, the speed game, that they were kind of the ones to really, they rode that wave to back-to-back Stanley Cups and inspired a lot of other teams in the NHL to do so as well. It seems to me with some of these things that are in the hopper that the Penguins have going on that will be announced here next week, that they're just kind of going against everything that has brought them success. Yeah, um, I guess, I guess the, the free pass I give on this is that when you're talking about depth, 
because we assume their interest in Chris Kunis to be for the fourth line. You know, we assume that, and I would personally hope that their interest in Jack Johnson would be for the bottom pairing. You can get away with that, I think, slotting those guys into lesser roles and still keep your team's identity. So I, I, while I agree with your overarching point, because I do think they made moves last year, um, again, for depth pieces that, that you know maybe didn't necessarily work out for the reasons you mentioned, that they didn't fit into that speed concept. I mean, I'm talking about Ryan Reeves here, um, you know, the, the, the trade that, that you know, Jim Rutherford made, the, the big one that backfired on him. I, I think that in a depth position, you're okay. My concern is, is that we've constantly, I think, over the last – Kunis's last three years with the team saw him get elevated to a top six role one yep. too many times, right? Yep. So I, my, my question is, is if you sign a guy like Chris Kunis, where are you going to play him? I have the same question for Jack Johnson. If Jack Johnson's going to be anywhere but the third pairing, I think that's going to be a problem for Pittsburgh. As long as they're star players, as long as they're – and I'll even go as far as to the top nine – as long as their top nine forwards still fit that mold, and I think they do, you're okay. Uh, as long as your top two defensive pairings fit that mold, I think you're okay. Uh, but the question is, where do they deploy these guys that, that they're currently talking about? Sure, and that's, that's the concern for me as well. And, and part of this rolls into, Jesse, I worry how the addition of a Jack Johnson affects the development and role of an Olimata. I worry how the addition of a Chris Kunitz could affect the development in the role of a Daniel Sprong or a Zach Aston Reese because after a month, after a handful of games, all of a sudden Jack Johnson is playing a higher role and Chris Kunitz is back on the wing with, with Sid. Yeah, and that's where I'm at too. And I think when it comes to Chris Kunitz, you know, and having watched him a little bit last year, you know, there definitely is not a lot of tread on those tires, but you plug him in in a third and fourth line, he's going to do you a serviceable job. I think with Jack Johnson, my concern is that he's got one good year on his resume. It was two years ago. My, my confusion around the Jack Johnson trade was is he's not a good defenseman. And I know that the Penguins have had success with bringing guys that were miscast or weren't being deployed correctly into this team and, you know, quote, unquote, for lack of a better word, rehabilitating them. But this is not that situation. Right? No. We've, got, we've got evidence of Jack Johnson across multiple teams not living up to the billing and not being good. Um, he's 31 years old. He's not 24. He's not 25. To me, this situation, my confusion, I mean, and, and, and again, not to take anything away from Jim Rutherford. I think he's a great general manager. I mean, the Penguins would be hard-pressed to go out right now and get a better one. Uh, he's won two Stanley Cups. You can't take those things away from him. But to, to the attitude that he's impervious to criticism is a bizarre one to me when you're coming off of a where almost every move he made outside of Riley Shahan didn't really turn out to be the right one. And I guess Jamie Alexiak, too. Jamie Alexiak's a pleasant surprise. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, for me, we're not talking about Jamie Alexiak. We're not talking about a 24, 25-year-old. We're talking about a guy with a proven track record of not being good. And that's where my concern comes in. Exactly. And I want to tie this into Hunwick a little bit, too. It what was this? I guess this is a two-part question for you, Jesse. Would you rather have kept Hunwick with only his two years left on his deal and, and seen what happened next year and maybe give him one more shot? And also with that, was it necessary, a five-year deal around $16 million? Was the market on Jack Johnson really so demanding that that was necessary? Well, you have to, so that's a good question. And, and, and to take a step back from that, right, we have to clarify that it is illegal 
for teams and players in the unrestricted free agency interview period to talk. You could talk term all you want, but you can't talk dollar amount, right? It's against it. So all these teams that are having these big conferences to pitch their ideas to John Tavares, those are culture ideas, they're team-based ideas, deployment ideas, championship window talks, no money, right? So I think the reports that we had surface yesterday are the Penguins' offer to Jack Johnson. Because they can say that stuff to the media until they're blue in the face. That, that, you know, talking to us about that uh, doesn't, doesn't have any bearing on, on the UFA interview period at all. But they, they cannot have had those conversations with Jack Johnson. So what we're talking about right now is pure conjecture. And, for example, a team like the Arizona Coyotes could walk into free agency Sunday morning and throw five, $6 sure. million dollars at Jack Johnson, and he's probably not coming to Pittsburgh, right? So I think we're dealing right now in a lot of non-absolute situations. I think that, if anything, if they decided to go with that length of term, it's probably because the buyout would be easier for them. And, and you, you, you hate to consider that maybe they're making a move right now with the intention of, of sort of giving themselves the backup to unload that contract at a later time, but that's the nature of the business right now. Um, and, and I think that with the reported term Johnson would be getting, um, or, or excuse me, it's reported money that he would be getting, a buyout in year two or three of that deal is not going to be all that bad. You're probably sub-million on what you have to keep uh, moving forward. Because you got to remember, Brooks Orpik uh, just got bought out by Colorado, and I think that hit them for 2.5. So, and he was getting paid um, you know, a decent chunk of change more than Jack Johnson would be. Uh, in terms of whether I'd have kept him or Hunwick, I, the answer I would probably go with option C, and I'd have just looked elsewhere. Uh, I think that I think that a guy like a Calvin DeHaan, while he's draft, uh, attracted a lot of attention, uh, has openly said uh, in this offseason that he you know he was frustrated by the way things worked out in New York, and he wants to win a Stanley Cup. Um, that's your pitch to him right there. Uh, if you want to win a Stanley Cup, there's no better place to do it than come on down uh, to Pennsylvania and, and join up with the Penguins. So I just I, I think they're while the, the free agent crop of defensemen was thin and, and overall wasn't very good, I do think you have guys in this class that you probably could have looked at and only had to have paid maybe two or two and a half million dollars more than what the reported money for Jack Johnson would be. To transition here a little bit. We, we saw this week Sheary and Hunwick get moved. Are there any names on the roster that still stand out to you? Uh, maybe a Carl Haglin, maybe even a Brian Rust, even though he just signed an extension that could still get moved. Or with the Riley Shahan addition, does that potentially – are they thinking that maybe there's a chance Teddy Bluger could be their fourth-line center and they're going to move Derek Broussard? Could you see any guys that are still on the roster as a, you know, a, a chance, a, a fighting chance that they also would get moved here in the next week or so? I don't think so now. Uh, I, I think that there's a couple different things that Jim Rutherford tried to do uh, before those buyouts that weren't successful uh, trade-wise around the draft. Uh, so I think with the buyout of those two players, I think what you have now, you're probably going to see them keep. Uh, I don't think that that rules out the possibility of a trade during the regular season, uh, especially if they leave themselves some wiggle room and cap space to make an in-season deal. Um, I, I think that's still going to be a possibility. And, you know, let's say, for example, Wesley, you come out and Carl Hagelin goes the first three months of the season, you know, only scoring two or three goals. We remember he's like a second-half, proven to be a second-half kind of player for the Penguins and kind of heats up at the right time. But if you feel like that $4 million doesn't really justify what he brings you this year, I think he's definitely a candidate to go. Um, I, I think with the, the guys that just got signed, 
uh, Rust, Shane in particular, and then Alexiak more than likely is obviously going to go to arbitration. Um, I, I think those three are, are safe to say, are safe to stay, uh, but I wouldn't rule out the possibility of, of Rutherford tinkering, um, you know, with some of the aforementioned players uh, on the roster at some point once the year actually begins. One thing, Jesse, and and I'm afar, you know, I'm, I'm in Philadelphia now, but I obviously still always have my my finger on the pulse of, of my hometown and, and especially the hockey team. One thing that I think has been flying under the radar, and especially with some of the trades that have been made and, and rumored signings and, and things of that nature, is what the Penguins are going to do with their goalie situation, what they're going to do. Are they, are they looking at any backups potentially in free agents? Are they targeting potentially any trades? Do they want Tristan Jari to be the backup? Do they have any intention of maybe moving Tristan Jari? I just haven't heard as much conversation around the Penguins' goaltending situation as I would expect. Well, right now we're left with, uh, I guess, where we left off in the playoffs, and that's Casey DeSmith as the backup. Uh, Mike Sullivan's a big Casey DeSmith guy. I think Tristan Jari's year last year was, I mean, we use the term underwhelming, which I think it's fair to say that, especially the hype I put on him. I thought that there was an opportunity that Tristan Jari would step in and, and end up maybe even being better than Matt Murray uh, based on the trajectory of his development, where he was drafted, and, and some of the pedigree that he had. So I think right now that's a job that's going to be, as far as backup goaltender is concerned, I think it's a job that's going to be decided in training camp. I think they're going to use camp as the grounds to kind of determine who's going to be that primary backup. I don't think they're going to add anybody to that position. Uh, I think that they're, they're comfortable with the level of professional ice time uh, that um, Jari and DeSmith got last year, uh, and I think they feel confident that either one of those guys could do the job in Matt Murray's app. So I think what you'll see is uh, a, a battle for that spot going into camp, and you've got to give the edge to Casey DeSmith right now based on the way last season ended. So no, no, uh, no goalie targets in free agency upcoming for the Penguins. What about some of the other names? I know Michael Grabner has, has been a popular one that's thrown around. Uh, I also know that the, the mentioning of possibly trading for someone like Jeff Skinner has been in the conversations as well. Do you think that we will see the Penguins potentially, I should say, potentially add another player without giving up someone that's already on the roster? Uh, no, I don't. Um, and I will tell you this, Wes, I think the Penguins made a very competitive bid for Jeff Skinner, a uh, very competitive bid, and Carolina kind of scoffed at it. So my understanding of that situation is that the asking price for Jeff Skinner right now is just completely unreasonable. Uh, so he might, he might be a player that doesn't move at all based on what Carolina's asking price is. I think the Penguins knocked on that door very seriously, um, and I don't think that their offer, while competitive, was entertained very much at all. So I think that with that being said, the tinkering from a trade perspective is probably done. Uh, the Penguins really, really wanted to get Michael Grabner at the trade deadline last year. And it's probably a good thing they didn't because, um, you know, that just did not move out. His move at the deadline last year did not move out. And he finished off the year uh, on a, as cold as cold gets. Um, but I think that's the nature of the kind of player he is, right? Um, he's always been a little bit of a streaky goal scorer. And when he gets him, he gets him in bunches. But otherwise, I still think he's an extremely effective player, especially if, if he was on the third line for the Penguins. And you put him with a guy like Derek Broussard, uh, put him on the penalty kill with Carl Hagelin, uh, that would be just an absolute nightmare uh, for power plays to deal with. I mean, you get the two fastest penalty killers in the league uh, uh, attacking you in that situation. So I do think Grabner's going to warrant a hard look for them. I think the question is how much is, is his price going to be inflated and what's the bidding war for him going to look like? And I think they're still looking to add depth to that fourth line. And a name I'll throw out that, that everybody's been talking about is an Anthony Duclair. 
um, and a player that, that fits that speed mold, um, a player that, that can play, uh, you can deploy him confidently in five-on-five situations, and he really does a good job of adding to your team's shot volume, and I think that's really the key. So I would expect more moves like that rounding out the bottom six, uh, and I think from a forward perspective, those are certainly two players um, in, in addition um, uh, Grabner and uh, um, uh, Duclair that they're going to take a long, hard look at. And again, so that, that follows into this for me. Is there any worry amongst you or in your mind that it's not really, that with bringing in a guy like Grabner or Duclair, even if it's Kunitz, that it wouldn't really necessarily be a depth move. It would be more because they don't trust or think he's going to be ready right away as someone like a Daniel Sprung. Um, I think the problem is, is that and from their perspective, I try to remove Daniel Sprung from discussions about the fourth line. Um, cause I think talking about Daniel Sprung in the lineup should, it should sort of issue more of a trickle down effect where you're talking about who's going to be moved to the fourth line as a result of his presence. Cause in my opinion, Wes, I'm sure you would agree with this. Daniel Sprung is not suited to be a checking winger at all. It's just do- yeah. total opposite uh, of what. So I think in that sense, if you're going to keep Daniel Sprung on this roster, and if you're as confident as you say you are in his development, it's Crosby's liner bust right out of the gate, right out of the gate, or Malkin. You've got to put him on that top six. Uh, he has got to have a setup guy. He's got to have someone that can give him the proper puck service that he requires to use that shot of his. Um, noting the fact that you're probably going to see Kessel and Malkin together, it limits the options of where he can go. I suppose you might be able to play him with a Derek Broussard, uh, but I also don't think that Derek Broussard is an elite playmaker. I think he's the kind of guy that likes to shoot the puck. Um, so I, for me, you, you, you don't make those moves um, for anything but depth because if you're having a conversation about Sprong being on the fourth line, you're already behind the eight ball because that's just not in the type of environment that, that, he needs, that he needs to thrive. And I think that they're at the point now where they need to play him in the top six from game one to game 25. Don't scratch him. Don't bench him. Feed him as much ice time as you can and see what happens in the early portion of the season. Uh, find out what you've got. Get a good sample size out of it and let it ride. Because uh, I think too often they, they've got a little bit of a, of a, of a quick trigger finger out with him and he gets yanked out of the lineup right away at the first sign of trouble. you got to let him play through that stuff. You have to let him establish himself a little bit, and you have to really, I think, get a larger sample of what he's capable of at the professional level and the National Hockey League level. Jesse, last thing I got for you here. This is Jesse Marshall from The Athletic joining me here on The Crowley Show. I know, like me, you are a, you're a footballer at heart, a West Ham supporter. So i got to ask you, with the World Cup going on right now, I need to know who you're supporting. Are, are you pulling for the three Lions, is there, or is there somebody else? No, England fans are unbearable. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely unbearable. Um, I am, I've become Swiss for this tournament. I've become Swiss. Uh, so I'm, I'm on the, uh, the Switzerland bandwagon with, with Jordan Shakiri and and the rest of the lot over there. So that's that's the direction I decided to head in. I, I, I did no particular reason either. Like I just I can't I can't in good conscience become a Mexico fan. No, uh, you know top rival. Well, you can't pull a uh, Landon Donovan. Exactly. Super excited that Germany's out. Um, I guess France, but you know that's like eating a cheese sandwich with nothing on it, just plain bread and cheese. I feel like it's just so bland uh, that there's no enjoyment out of being a French supporter. So I've gone Swiss.
I'm I'm rooting for Argentina and Portugal both to win so that we can get Messi versus Ronaldo in a World Cup quarterfinal. That is my rooting interest That's, at this point. At this point, I'm going to join you in that because as far as this knockout stage is concerned, that is the one thing uh, that I want to see. Uh, I am concerned about the mental health of every single person living in Argentina right now. Absolutely. So, um, you know, in that case, maybe I'll hitch to that wagon a little bit too because nobody needs it like they do. All I'm saying is FIFA is the most corrupt organization in the world. If there's ever a time they should put the fix in, it should be now to give us Messi versus Ronaldo in a World Cup knockout game. Well, look, I mean, you guys think the NHL is bad. Um, I would say that professional wrestling has better officials than what the World Cup has got <laughs> this year. So, I mean, you look, you want to get a real taste of, of, of a badly run organization, just become a football fan for a couple of months and uh, you'll be pulling your hair out. Jesse, thank you so much for the time. Uh, thank you here for joining me and, and giving me a couple minutes of your time. Great hockey talk, as always. You can find Jesse on The Athletic, and uh, uh, hopefully we'll do this again sometime, partner. Thank you. That was Jesse Marshall. There he goes. Thank you to him for joining us, Jesse of The Athletic. You can find him on Twitter at jmarshath, I believe. I just had it written down here. That's great prep by me. Sorry, Jesse. Jmarshfof, he still has the face-off <laughs> factor handle. That's what I'm talking about. One more segment to go here on the Crowley Show. We'll wrap things up next. When we come back, we have got a really dumb question for you in our dumb question of the day. And also, we give some love to the official team of the Crowley Show. Don't go anywhere. I am Wesley Euler filling in for Adam. This is the Crowley Show. Sports talk with a little bit of an edge. Can you feel the tension in the air right now? I know I can. I can feel it all the way down in my plums. The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. on a Thursday evening. We're wrapping things up here on The Crowley Show. I'm Wesley Euler. I've been filling in for Adam today. I'll be here with you tomorrow. That is if if the gentleman will have me. You can come back. Cool. I need the money. I'll be here tomorrow, and we'll have another fun show for you. Tomorrow, we're going to do a block party summer Friday. All block party songs coming back from breaks. All show And we want your input on that. But we will get to that tomorrow. Right now, it's time to give some love to the official team of the Crowley Show. How about a shout-out to the Belgian national football team with a 1-0 win over England today. They win their group. They advance. And they will play Team Fair Play Japan Monday at 2 o'clock. Shouts to Belgium. Chocolate, waffles, beer, Dr. Evil, and good football. Yes. And by, if Dr. I could, Evil was from Belgium, right? Sure. Yeah, of course. Why not? If I could give, if I, you mentioned something in there with the, uh, uh, with Japan. Mm-hmm. Team Fair Play. Yeah, wasn't that crazy? That's that's that wild. they move on be- the biggest tournament in all of sports that only happens every four years, and a yeah. team moves on because they committed less fouls than the yeah. other team. Wins same, losses same, differential the same, and they go to cards. Whoever is more gentlemanly. That's really dumb. It it is. It, it, there should be a golden goal, a play in, whatever. I don't know. Bring back the goal. Or just goal. whoever scored more goals yeah. in the first place. Uh, yeah, just put them on a pitch. And the first one to score wins. There At you least go. make it competitive. You just have them do a penalty shootout. Yeah. Talk about entertainment. Yeah. Because now if I'm in Japan, I'm going back to the or if I'm in I'm going back to those red cards I'm gonna make or the yellow cards, I'm gonna make sure that was that the right one? You know, was it a wrong call? Was it a bad uh, that's crazy though. With the World Cup, and I know we gotta get moving on here, but with the World Cup, they got a lot of work to do with some things. Yeah. 
the stoppage time. And they're going to ex- they're expanding the tournament in four years, which yeah. I think is a bad decision. Less is more. They should contract, you're, if anything. You're right about that. It's really dumb. It's really dumb. And what else is dumb is this question that I'm about to ask. I, I promised in the first segment when I introed and explained who I was that we're going to have fun. For me, radio is entertainment. Sports through the scope of entertainment, not the other way around. I don't want to sit here, as I said, and talk about the Steelers linebacker death for three hours because that's not entertaining. But what is entertaining to me is this. Does salt taste good? And I need a yes or no answer. And I don't mean, oh, well, maybe. Well, if you put too much of it, well, do you mean by, well, do you mean on the, on the, well, does salt taste, it's the most commonly used, most popular used seasoning, <laughs> condiment, whatever, anything in the world. We put it on literally almost everything. But does it actually taste good? Wes, we've already established that you're a, you're a great gamer. You've made money playing games. And now I'm going to tell you that I know you're a great talk show host because you did not fail to deliver on your tease. You said you would have a dumb question, and you have. That dumb. is a dumb question. Real dumb. Very dumb. Yeah. But, but it's, it's mind-bending, too, isn't it? I'm because you put answer it, yeah. on everything, yeah, but does it taste, answer it, but does it taste good? Yeah. Does it taste good? It tastes good on things. I like, yes, I like salt by itself, too. I do. I think I like salt. Nerd alert. I, d- I don't. No? I think it tastes great on things. I put it on everything. Mm-hmm. But no, it's gross. I like to taste it. Last what? night at Sensi's, where the Crowley Show has been before, yes. I had people at the bar dumping salt into their hand, yeah. licking it. Oh, no, you're right. It tastes gross. If I could add this, too much salt can taste bad. It can give you a bad taste. But think of it this way. Okay, like you got some nice baby carrots. You know, they're all steamed and soft and nice little. No, they got to be babies. Carrots. Why can't they be? You know, why you well, got to go after the children? Easier, why nice you got to go after the size. children? They're bite size, bite size carrots. So you think of it, the carrots don't really have that much of a flavor because you've steamed most of it out. So basically what you have there is you have a vehicle to get the salt in your mouth so you don't look like a fool just drinking it straight from the bottle. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's the thing. When you have flavors, flavor, flavorless foods, I speak for a living. Flavorless foods, when you have them, then salt, you put it on, it's basically bringing salt to you. Which is why it, it's, it's such a conundrum for me. Because it improves everything it touches, but I just think objectively by itself, it tastes like trash. I got sucked in, man. That was you, a dumb you, question. You drink, you drink I just too like, much tequila. I start sitting here. Now, that's a thing where salt is a beautiful thing. Absolutely. So, Tom, we need your, you've been too silent on this. Because I'm so confused about it. It's a confusing question. It's hard to answer just yes or no. I don't know if I like salt anymore. <laughs> I, seriously, I've just been walking through my life thinking, Would yeah, you rather great, eat a but... spoonful of salt or Old Bay? You broke Tom. I'd probably rather eat a spoonful of Old Bay. I feel like Old Bay has some more flavor, at least. Ooh. Spoonful of Old Bay or hot sauce? Not like deathly hot sauce, you know, like, like Frank's Red Hot or something. Uh, just Frank's Red Hot. Just take a spoonful of that. That wouldn't be that bad, actually. Again, I like hot sauce. Tom and I are going to have to come up with a bet tomorrow on the show that we'll pay off the following week when I'm back here, and the loser will have to eat salt or Old Bay or hot sauce Look, or maybe I, all three As a Maryland native, okay, like you, you eat some Old Bay every once in a while. So me putting Old Bay in this discussion for you is actually kind of like a well a dag not a I dagger it, but it's like a little but offensive. A, I love it, but a spoonful of it, that's almost as bad as wasabi. I think no, it's like it, the not as eating. bad. No, it's, it's the people not. from here that eat ketchup straight up too. Yeah, that's at, a at least I love ketchup. At least it's got I am a little sweetness it, to it. But there's lots of pepper in there, and I'm telling you, I'd, I'd like to see one of you guys eat a spoonful of Old Bay and tell me what you think.
If you enjoyed this segment, join us tomorrow where we will go completely <laughs> off the rails on a block party summer Friday. Thank you so much to Tom for putting everything together. Brian for joining me and, and providing comic relief and color and somebody for me to bounce everything off of. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I'll be back here with you again tomorrow from 4 to 7. We'll have all kinds of fun stuff for you then. I'm Wesley Euler filling in for Adam Crowley. Up next, Jerry Dulac with The Golf Show live from the Rochester Inn. Have a great Thursday night, everybody. This is The Crowley Show.